0: Coming live from Park City, Utah, USA is our guest tonight. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Art Bell, famous writer and founder of Comedy Central, creator I would say, and He has written his memoir, Constant Comedy, How I Started Comedy Central and Lost My Sense of Humor. Welcome to the show, Art.
1: Thank you, AJ. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And for a lot of people who are thinking about comedy, what exactly comedy is, we will get to learn from them the art of belling the comedy cat with Art Bell, none other than Art Bell. But art, first, let me just quote something about this whole comedy industry. And I would like to quote from uh, none other than Charlie Chaplin. In one of his movies called Limelight 1952, there's this character Claire Brown uh, Bloom Terry. She tells to Calvero Charles Chaplin after he tells of her His downfall in show business, and she says, "What a sad business, being funny."
1: Yes, uh, that sentiment has been echoed through the ages, as uh, your audience probably knows. But if they if they don't know that, uh, let me just say that it it is kind of a sad business. I mean, there's there's a a lot of work has been done on why comedians uh, end up sourcing their comedy through their sadness, through their, through their unhappiness, through their depression. I mean, and I'm not an expert on that, by the way, but I did work with a lot of comedians and I will say that comedians are like everybody else. There's a variety. Some are, you know, some are happy, some are sad, but you know, there is a through line of, uh, you know, comedy, comedians, people who write comedy, they're cynical. They're smart typically, uh, they can be sarcastic uh, but there's there's there is an underlying sadness uh, that that goes along with it I think, and it's probably due to the fact that people find themselves being funny in in order to kind of make up for whatever shortcomings they think they have, which may be completely non-existent I mean listen we all go to we all go to school and our uh, newfound friends at the age of six are nice enough to tell us what they think we're missing, whether we're too fat or too short or too tall or too whatever, or they don't think our parents are up to snuff, you know, whatever it is, almost from the get go people are being critical of you. And then, you know, you have to deal with that. And one of the da- ways to deal with that is to get very sad or <laughs> the other way is to get very sad and, and be funny, you know, and, 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 and learn that comedy is can be soothing.
0: Right. And when you had that great idea of Comedy Central, and when you went to your uh, head of programming at HBO, what happened was also not funny, though you were talking about something big and about making people happy and right. lot of fun and...
1: Well, listen, the business of comedy show business generally is a very serious business and people do take it seriously. So when I when I went to the head of programming at HBO and said, you know, I really think we at HBO, we ought to do a 24 hour comedy channel because, you know, that would be great. And she said, that's that's really a terrible idea. It's really a terrible idea. And I'll tell you why. And she spent 15 minutes telling me why. I didn't even get to say much. She, she just said, look, comedians won't come on the channel and nobody wants to watch that much comedy. And, you know, she went on and on and on. Now, listen, she was the head of programming, so I had to take her seriously. And uh, I did. And I walked out of there and thought, okay, she's wrong. Somebody is going to do a comedy network. Might as well be us. But if it's not going to be us, somebody else is going to do it. That's all.
0: Right. Right. But then you went to the chairman and the chairman uh, did understand comedy. (laughs) And he did not find the idea funny, but he maybe found it funny, but not in that sense, but actually funny enough that it will not only make people laugh, but also make him go laughing to the back. And that's where. Yes.
1: Well, listen, as the chairman of HBO, he was responsible to his bosses. And his bosses were kind of agitating for him to do something new. I mean, HBO was a great success at this point. We're talking about the mid to late 80s. HBO was, you know, was what Netflix is now. It was like the cool television. It was a cool place to work. Everybody was talking about it. They were doing great things. And they did a lot of comedy. The chairman of HBO happened to be the guy who introduced some of the great comedy specials to HBO. You know, he brought Robert Klein, he brought uh, Whoopi Goldberg, he brought Billy Crystal, they did specials, you know, HBO had become known for comedy, because of the chairman. And so when I pitched the chairman, at least I knew I had a willing audience. Uh, And lest your audience think I went over the head of the head of programming, I didn't. I was taken to the chairman by my boss who found out about what I was working on in my spare time, the idea for a comedy network. And he said, great idea. Let's go talk to the chairman. So that's how that happened.
0: Right, right. And so my first uh, question is to understand for a lot of people who are wanting to make, produce, write, good comedy is that you found your chairman who believed in that idea, your boss who believed in your idea. And took you to the right person, but many people who are working on their own, but have great ideas about creating good comedy. What would you tell them? Should they? How does it work? Because you talk about entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship. You yourself have done so much. What would you tell them? That's where that's where I was talking about the art of belling the comedy cat. Sometimes.
1: Well, listen, my experience um, creating Comedy Central uh, was primarily a business experience. Remember, I'm not a comedy writer. Listen, I ended up working with comedy writers, and, and uh, right. that was a lot of fun. But I was an entrepreneur. In fact, I was something called an intrapreneur. And I don't know if, uh, if everybody's familiar with that term, but an intrapreneur is someone who starts a business inside an existing business. Not easy to do. But it, it, it's, it's become more and more uh, prevalent as companies get bigger. And, and it turns out it's a good way to do it. It's a good thing to do to start a company inside another company. Why? Because the big companies have huge resources that otherwise are difficult to get. I mean, sure, you can go out and raise money. And I actually thought about doing that. Talked to some people about it. But uh, we all know entrepreneurs who spend the first 10 years of their business raising money and that was something i didn't think i could do so i went to hbo as far as just for the you know as long as you're asking how do you become a great comedian practice 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 i mean it's really about it's really about doing comedy if you're a stand up comedian you got to do it you got to hone that first 5 minutes if you're a comedy writer you got to watch a lot of comedy television, comedy movies, and really understand your craft and then write, write, write. And that's how you get better. I mean, it doesn't, it's not like lightning strikes. With me going, walking into the chairman and talking about my idea for a comedy network, I loved comedy. That was, that was the critical issue. And I think that people who become entrepreneurs often have to love or find themselves loving what they are introducing to the world. So that was a very important thing. I'd loved comedy since I was a kid, since I was eight years old. So when I walked into, by the time I walked into the chairman's office, I knew a lot about what I wanted to do. So two things came into play then. One, passion. When I was talking to the chairman about the, about the network, I was very passionate. I was jumping up and down. I was excited I had to be. The second thing is vision. And let me just say that passion and vision are not things that show up on a syllabus in business school. How do I know that? I went to business school. But passion and vision are probably two of the most important ingredients to getting anything done uh, as an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, or even just a business person. Vision. What is vision? I talked a little bit about passion, but what is vision? Vision is thinking about how you're idea is going to change the world and that's you know as simply as I can put it and so when when the chairman said you know I can see this happening I said you know if this thing works in 10 years we will be the center of the comedy universe now that's what got him because he wanted to be the center (laughs) of the comedy universe who wouldn't well I guess some people wouldn't but the chairman did want to, and he thought that was a very good insight.
0: And that also gave the name Comedy Central, perhaps.
1: Yeah, well, actually, <laughs> the first name we had for the, for the channel was the Comedy Channel. Uh, and when HBO launched it, uh, we called ourselves the Comedy Channel. We didn't change the name to Comedy Central until about a year and a half later. And the reason? We got competition. Now, that that is one thing that I learned early and often in my career. Never underestimate the competition. They will find you and they will come flying at you. Even if you think, hey, you know, nobody wanted to do a comedy network up to this point. We're going to just do one and nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to want to compete against us. Guess what? Immediately after we announced that we were going to do in a comedy network called the Comedy Channel, MTV Networks. Yeah, the same guys who did MTV and Nickelodeon announced that they were going to do a comedy network. I'm talking about the day after we announced. And they said they were going to call theirs Ha. Huh? And I don't think they had much more than a press release when they announced it. We'd been working on it for six or eight months before we announced. Anyway, six months after that, they, uh, they launched. And we went head to head for six months. And then the powers that be said... We're fighting this to a draw. I didn't think so. I thought we were the better network, but they merged us. I thought I was going to lose my job because what else happens in mergers, right? But I didn't. I didn't. By some miracle, they said you and the head of programming for the other channel are going to get together, figure out what the new channel's called because we don't want you to call a comedy channel or ha, and you're going to figure out what it is, how to program it you know, who who it's going to appeal to and, you know, figure out how we can make a living on it. So that's what we did.
0: Right, right. So a lot of people, see, I'm also not a writer. Whatever I know, I know a bit of writing about news. That's been my background. You knew about laughter from early on. A lot of people know how to laugh. But how to know that you have in it in you that because you spent a lot of time thinking about comedy central as a full place, as a channel and as a business. And that was not a small thing. It means you understood not only about laughter, about comedy, but also about the business part of it when there was none around you. But the people who are seeing so much of business in comedy, you see laughter shows, stand-up comedy, so many things, who have an idea of something different, which can perhaps change the world. How do they come to know whether uh, exactly there is some business sense in it? And also, whether there is a difference, is there a difference between comedy, humor, be, uh, fun, being funny? Because you see, there are there are creators everywhere. Online, offline, everywhere you go, there are creators. Social media exists perhaps because of creators and not because of family, friends and all that stuff that earlier it was envisaged. So what is your advice as somebody who envisaged such a huge thing for the future? Would you tell them how they should look comedy as be in terms of building something in terms of
1: business? Well, I think that one of the most important avenues to the success of Comedy Central, for me, was coming to it with a pure love of comedy. And by the time I was pitching the business, I had a little experience in business, but I'd also... You know, I'd also done some comedy performance. I also had a lot of funny friends, several of whom went into the comedy business as writers. Um, So it's not like I wasn't paying attention on Tuesday and then Wednesday I said, hey, you know, maybe a comedy network might work. Let's try that. So it was really something that I that I thought about, and held very close to me for years and years. As a matter of fact, I came up with the idea for a comedy network early on in the 80s when people were starting all, all news channels, all sports channels, all everything channels. I, th- I said, hey, got to be a comedy network, right? Because I love comedy. So that's where I'd want to work. And that's what I'd want to watch. And when there wasn't one, I just saw an opportunity. How do you know if your idea, whether it's comedy or anything else, is going to work? You don't. You don't. All you know is you feel so strongly about it that anybody who doesn't understand what you're trying to tell them, when you say this thing is going to be a huge success, is just, they're missing it. So you go on to the next person. I mean, perseverance is such an important part of getting anything started. Part of a big part of what people find when they read my memoir, and by the way, I wrote this as a memoir. Constant comedy, how I started Comedy Central and lost my sense of humor. I wrote it as a memoir, which means it's a very personal story. You know, I tell at every moment how I'm feeling about things, what I'm seeing. And it wasn't a straight line uh, to success. It just wasn't. I mean, when we launched Comedy Channel, it was a failure. The first week we got savaged by the press. They were enthusiastic about taking us down because HBO was so successful They said, okay, these guys are really screwing it up. It's not funny. It's a stupid idea. I mean, I went home every day for the first year thinking I was going to get fired any minute (laughs) because it just wasn't successful. And I kept going back. And every day I went to work and I said, what can we do more of that's working and what can we do less of that's not working? And that's, you know, that's how it happens.
0: Right. You said that you knew about laughter from early on. You also knew about comedy, then the channel was lost. But then you lost your sense of humor. You write that in your memoir. What do you want to convey? Why did you write that? Uh, What exactly does it mean? And what did you want to convey to the world through that subtitle?
1: Well, Thank you for that question. It's a very good question. So many people watching Comedy Central today, especially young people, think of it as something that's been successful from the get-go that it's always been there. I mean, it's 30 years old, you know, so many people tell me, Oh man, I grew up with comedy central. It's so important to me, but they don't understand. And they didn't understand that getting that thing started. It was this close to not happening this close to falling flat on its face, this close to never seeing the light of day, let alone surviving for 30 and thriving for 30 years and becoming the center of the comedy universe. So I wanted people to understand that these things are not easy. Getting these things started, it it takes a tremendous amount of work, not just my work, of course. There were hundreds and hundreds of people who made Comedy Central success before, during, and after. You know, I left Comedy Central, but, you know... Thank goodness for the people who kept going and kept working hard on it and made it the success that it was. So I wrote this book basically to say, look, guys, it's hard. You want something to be a spectacular success. You want something to change the world. You're going to have to work at it. It's not just a matter of, hey, if I think it up, it's there. It's not. It really takes so much work, so much problem solving. So many things went wrong in the early days that could have ended the whole thing. And that's where the perseverance comes in. Why did I say I lost my sense of humor? It really was something the chairman said about three or four months after we launched. He called me in. Now, his reputation was on the line. His name is Michael Fuchs, and he was just named before we launched like a few weeks before we launched the new york times did a story on him saying he was the most powerful man in hollywood can you imagine and then we launched the channel and it's kind of falling flat on its face and he called me in and he said you know art it took a comedy channel to make me lose my sense of humor (laughs) and i thought yeah nobody's (laughs) laughing here we're all struggling we all want to make this work but it is not working and it's so hard and that was a scary moment when the chairman says he's not laughing anymore and i wasn't laughing i said oh boy can't lose your sense of humor
0: you have the book with you can you show it us too
1: oh yeah this is the book right as i Wait. said constant comedy it is a memoir and it is people are surprised at how people who work in the industry are surprised at how how true it is what the industry is like and the people who don't work in the in the entertainment business you know what they say to me is it true that people get fired that much in the in the entertainment business i said yeah people are dropping like flies constantly it's, it's a tough business and you know you're only as good as the last thing you did so yeah people get fired and it's hard
0: and what all have you put in the in this book and where can people find this book so that they can read it for themselves at their convenience?
1: Well, the, the book starts with, um, the book starts really talking about how I came to love comedy as a kid and what I did in high school and college and graduate school and how I came to decide, look, because what happened is I came out of college and I was a, an economics major. And I got a job as an economist, but three years later I said, you know what? I don't want to be an economist. I love comedy. I love entertainment. I'm going to go into television. And that's what I did. Um, That's not, that's only a chapter. You know, that's not a big part of the book. The big part of the book is how I developed this idea, how I pitched it, how people said no, how I had to fight to make it happen. And how, as I said, I thought I was going to get fired every day because it was just too hard. After that, you know, it talks about the seven or eight years afterwards when we become very, very successful. Lots of stories, lots of funny stories about comedians and how things get crazy once in a while with comedians. And things get crazy with executives too. So between the comedy guys on one side and the executives on the other, man, it was it was quite an undertaking. But I hung in there. And that's what the book is about.
0: And where do where can one get
1: Oh, yes. Well, Amazon is the first place to go. Amazon sells my book. Um, I have an audio book, which I read. So if you enjoy listening to this and you want to hear another seven hours of me talking, uh, you can get the audio book and listen to the book. Um, It's out in hardback. Paperback is coming out in December. I believe it's December 5th. There will be a paperback. And of course, it's an uh, electronic version.
0: Right, right. And... Talking of losing your sense of humor and also the chairman who actually supported this idea initially, he said it took a comedy channel to make him lose his humor. So did, did he get his sense of humor back? Did you get your sense of humor back? If yes, when? And if not, why? Because it became successful.
1: I did get my sense of humor back. I, and, you know, again, you lose it for brief periods of time when you start taking something very seriously. And at the time, I had to take it very seriously. That's when I discovered, you know, you said early on that I knew about the comedy business. When I pitched Comedy Central, Comedy Channel, I had no idea about that. I was not in the comedy business. I had been a financial analyst and a marketing analyst at HBO. That's as close as I got. As a matter of fact, when I walked in, the head of comedy at HBO, a guy named Stu Smiley said to me, first thing he said to me before he said hello is what do you know about comedy? And the <laughs> answer was nothing. I was a fan, you know, it's like going to coach baseball, knowing nothing about it, except you like to watch it. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> And that's what it was. So I had to learn the comedy business and I did. And I did. Um, but the point is, I found out that the comedy business is a very serious business. That's where you started with Charlie Chaplin. The comedy business is a very serious business. Most businesses are serious business. But you have to find your sense of humor in whatever you're doing and keep your sense of humor. I went on to work at a channel called Court TV, which is about the judicial system, crime, courtroom. We laughed so much. We had so much fun. (laughs) <laughs> it's almost like we laughed more there. Well, I won't say that, but we had a lot of fun. You got to laugh at what, you know, wherever you are. So, yeah, you lose your your sense of humor for brief periods of time because life is serious sometimes. And pressure right. is stressful. Right. Right. But in the long run, you got to keep it. You got to hang on.
0: Right. You made the whole world laugh. You also made HBO go laughing to the bank. They were They were rich after that.
1: Uh, well, they were rich before that, but they were richer after that. Yes, thank you.
0: Absolutely, it's true. So, but but it was a lot of tears, as you said. Uh, I did. I, I, I used to worry about my job. Now, talking about all this, what was the best thing that you got out of Comedy Central working down at that place? What was it that you left?
1: Well, the best thing I got out of Comedy Central was an education on how to be uh, not only an entrepreneur, but how to be an executive in the entertainment business. I mean, again, I was young when I started. (laughs) I felt a lot older when I ended. But I I really learned so much about not only entrepreneurship, but management, perseverance, um, keeping people excited about a concept when things aren't going well. Man, that is... You can only learn that by doing it. You can't read about it. But all of these things—I mean, all this—was a, a tremendous educational experience, and that for me was important. I like to understand how things work, and I wanted to understand how business worked. And by the time I was done, I, I had a good, a good understanding of what it took.
0: Right, Art. Right. Not coming to the present times. You see, these times have changed, and. Even though there are so many tools available, people are there. There is so much of comedy happening that sometimes it's you don't know what's. It's a comedy of errors or whatever, or actual uh, laughter happening both ways. Depends on how you look at it. But in terms of everybody is trying, especially online, to be politically correct. Where does comedy fit in when... Uh, there is not much space of, you know, when when you can have a good banter, you can actually talk about politicians and others and then that could be... And people could laugh about themselves. And and your world was different. I was also at that point in time, that world was different. How do you see this and the place for comedy in these times?
1: I think comedy has a tremendous... uh obligation at this point to hold a mirror up to society and say, hey, look what's going on here. I mean, comedy has always done that. Uh, Going back to Lenny Bruce, actually Charlie Chaplin, all these guys, I mean, they were great satirists. They were great at, you know, allowing their audiences to look through, look at the world through their prism so that, People had a better understanding of what was going on. I mean, Lenny Bruce, he got on stage. He was arrested hundreds of times because he said, you can't talk about that. And in those days, that was sex, government. I mean, you know, all the things that comedy became famous for. Yeah, he started, you know, a lot of that. And he got, he got in trouble for a lot of that. Now, comedians are very worried that they're getting shut down for talking about or writing about whatever. Um, You know, I, I talked to comedians lately and they said, you know, if I, if I can't get, get into a joke without people standing up in the audience and walking out saying you can't do that, how am I going to make an impression? How am I going to communicate with people about how I'm feeling about what the world is like, what the world looks like. And that's, that's very powerful. I mean, Comedy is a great way to communicate. I actually credit the, the women comedians in the 90s for so much of, of, of the advances that women made, you know, in the last 30 years. I mean, Sarah Silverman, what was she talking about? You can't talk about that. But she was up there describing what it was like to be a woman in America or in the world at that time. And she was saying, hey, guys, you got you to knock it off. You can't do this to us. That's what she was saying. And it was a very important message. So you want to stop comedians from talking, might as well stop everybody from talking.
0: Right, right. And not present society. You see is you live, see the relationships, see workplaces, and everybody seems to be under some stress, some sort of power that is holding them down. Something that's. And people are, even though you may see them laughing, uh, you don't see them actually happy or real laughter beyond that, uh, behind that. So what would you tell them about uh, being, you know, fun company, somebody who wants to be around you? People like to be around people who are fun to be.
1: Well, that's but people
0: are taking themselves so seriously, so many of them. What would you tell them when you when somebody like you would want to tell?
1: I would say that laughing at yourself is one of the most important things you can do. And if you lose the ability to laugh at yourself, then I, I think you're giving up something very important in the world. So many comedians, so much comedy is about laughing at the human condition. And we are individually the components of the human condition. I mean, hard times. Will Rogers during the Depression. I mean, you cannot think of, well, there's lots of hard times in history, but the Depression was a very tough time in America, and Will Rogers was up there making jokes about it, okay? And he helped get everyone through that's got to be what we look for when things get tough, when times get stressful. And uh, let's, let's not let that go.
0: Right. Let's not let that go. Art, uh, You are also a writer. You write, you've written your memoir. Nowadays, apart from human writers, even artificial intelligence is writing <laughs> comedy. How do you see that? I couldn't stop myself from
1: asking that. Oh my gosh, that's such a funny! Th- you know, it's not only writing, but you know, recently they've been they've been uh, there have been AI programmers doing art, which I find
0: they're also writing human destiny.
1: It's it's yeah. I, listen, it's 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 a little bit funny. It's a lot scary. I don't think that you know the the old story was that if you. Uh, put a hundred chimpanzees in front of typewriters. Eventually one of them was going to type Shakespeare. You know, it's almost the same kind of thing that ultimately you're going to have someone, some AI program achieve uh, the truth and beauty that Shakespeare did. And it, it's almost inconceivable to me as much as you, as much as we, we might want to believe that's a possibility. I, I just don't see it. The, the way the human mind works is so complex Human experience is interpreted in so many ways. I think we're a long way from reading books written by uh, computers that hit the bestseller list and provide important insights into, as I said, the human condition, um, which is really what we want to get out of our art and our literature.
0: Right, right. So many people would want to know more about you, to connect with you. How do they do that uh, online uh, how do they? Do
1: that? Well, I think the first place to stop is my website, artbellwriter.com. I've got, uh, you know, an extended biography there, places you can read my book. Uh, also, other writing I've done. I'm currently working on a novel. And um, I've had, you know, short stories published. So if they want to learn about me and, and get a sense of my writing, that's the f- first place to go. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm uh, on LinkedIn. So these are all places that people can, can keep in touch with me uh, or get in touch with me if they like. Certainly if they read my book, and I hope people read my book, uh, Constant Comedy, uh, I'd love to hear from them. I love hearing from people who read my book and like it or read my book and want to, you know, tell me something about it. So, and if you don't like it, okay, you can talk to me too. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you read my book, get in touch with me, and tell me how you like it
0: right right thank you so much for your uh, time art it's a pleasure it's an honor to talk to you and to learn so many things not only about life only about comedy but also about life laughter loving and the future it can be so thank you, in the end th- in the end i would again like to quote something you know from a scene in limelight where Charlie Chaplin, his character, says, Life is a beautiful, magnificent thing, even to a jellyfish. <laughs> I can tell you, many, many people in the world are glad, I'm sure, that you were born. For you made them laugh. Thank when, you. <laughs> when, when life seemed even unlivable. Unli- unli- With Thank that, you. it's a wrap on this very special edition of KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you, AJ.